0: you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. Today we're going to start a Christmas sermon series. Makes sense, right? Um, if you're not raised in church, we're going to talk about this church word called Advent. An Advent is a Latin word that really refers to coming. But most of the time when people use the word Advent, they, they think about longing or anticipation or waiting excitedly for something. In fact, what we'll do for just a few weeks is we're going to open up the Bible and we're going to study a very unusual passage of Scripture over the next four four weeks. But in Advent, you recognize this excitement or this anticipation as a child waiting for gifts under the tree. So we're going to use that kind of language today and talk about a child waiting for gifts. Now, if you were raised in church, you probably recognize the word Advent because maybe in your house you grew up with an Advent calendar, or maybe you had an Advent wreath, or maybe you had Advent candles, and you put those out and lit those in anticipation or longing of something. The subtitle for this sermon series is we're talking about Christmas, but Christmas live and in the flesh. What was it like when the king of kings and God himself left his throne room and came live and in the flesh to be with people? And... If you remember back to what it was like when you were a child, when you were thinking about Christmas and there were gifts that were under the tree, chances are you can think back and you can remember about how much you were waiting for or excited about the day that you get a chance to open up those gifts. We're going to talk about gifts for a few moments. and The greatest gifts are always given by the greatest gift giver. Follow me for just a second. So the perfect gift giver can give the perfect gift. God in heaven can give the kind of perfect priceless gifts that nobody else could ever give. And we're going to take a look at four of these priceless gifts that come along with what's in the package. But please hear what I'm going to say because I don't want you to mistake me today. The greatest gift on Christmas, is the gift of God with us. Please listen to me for just a second and lean in. Inside the box, when Christians open up the gift of Christmas, it's God himself that's in the box. What God is actually giving on Christmas is the gift of himself. Now, that gift is wrapped in some pretty spectacular packaging. And you remember what this felt like, right? When you were a child and you saw that package under the tree, or that you saw that package that had this awesome wrapper and this beautiful bow, but what you really wanted was what's inside the package. Well, God Himself is inside the box, but He wraps this gift of Himself. With four pretty amazing wrappings. And today we're going to take a look at the first one. This is called the word peace. You see the greatest gifts. Here's the entire sermon. I'll just make it easy for you. And I'll give it to you right up front. The greatest gifts are wrapped in priceless priceless wrappings or a priceless package. God is giving the gift of himself. But he wraps that gift in peace today. And today we're going to talk about this word peace. We're going to start studying through the book of Romans chapter 5. I realize this is not the average passage of the Bible that people use for Christmas, but I need you to understand faith and love and peace and the joy, the the packaging that the gift of God himself comes in. And today we'll talk about peace for just a second. Did you know, at least this is what one student put on an essay, in the entire history of the world, there's only been really 70 years of peace. Are you aware of that? Now, I don't think there was any truth in that statement whatsoever. I don't know that the student who wrote that in the essay had any idea what they're talking about. But I do know this peace is really hard for us to understand. Peace is really hard for us to think about because when we typically define the word peace, think about it for just a second. If someone were to ask you, what do you mean by the word peace? Chances are you would use something that peace isn't. You would say, well, it's the absence of war or it's the absence of strife. Yes, I know that's what peace isn't but what would you say that would describe peace in itself? And what I'm gonna do for the next few moments with you today is I'm gonna give you five things that when you have all five of these, you really have peace. And if you have three or four of them, but not all five, chances are you don't have the kind of peace that God is offering. You see, the peace itself is a gift that comes along with the priceless treasure of a relationship with God. This comes from Romans chapter five. If you've got that mobile app open, click the button that says today's sermon, and you can just follow along with all of the scripture that we're gonna do today. We're gonna look at one verse, and then I'm gonna use a few other passages of the Bible to describe this phrase that Romans chapter five, verse one says for us today. Because here's how the Bible describes peace for us today. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we Christians have peace with God, and here's how that's possible. It is through our Lord, Jesus Christ. Okay, wait a second, Romans. What exactly do you mean by this phrase, peace with God? I didn't know that there was a war between God and me. And so why are you referring to this as peace with God. Well, I want to unpack the word peace. I want to use several different passages from the Bible to describe the word peace for you, and I want to list for you five things that when you have all five of these, you have peace. Like I said, if you have two or four, but not all five of them, you have some peace, But you don't have the supernatural peace that Romans chapter 5 is describing for us today. So let's just go ahead and roll up our sleeves. Let's go ahead and look at a couple of passages in the Bible. We're not just going to hop around. What we're going to try to do is get an entire picture from the Bible of what do you mean when you say peace with God? What does this word peace really mean? And here's the number one thing. It is when your relationships are right. Now, if you've heard me in the past, the most important relationship is your relationship with God. Second most important relationship is your relationship with yourself. And then third, it's your relationship with others. And peace with God gets all three of those relationships back into their proper place. You see, when we talk about the word peace, we struggle to define it. And usually what we do is we use what peace isn't as a definition. We say, well, when you have peace, you're not at war with other people. When you have peace, that you're not struggling or at strife with other people. And those are okay ideas, but they just don't really describe the word peace. A better description is to look at what the Bible uses as a picture, a whole picture of the word peace. You want to see a great image of this in the Bible? It comes from 1 Kings Back in chapter 22, let me give you the background for this one verse of the Bible. If you're reading through the Bible, you know that there was a united kingdom. You had all 12 tribes of Israel as one nation. And then after a civil war, a prolonged civil war, the 10 northern tribes kind of split off and they created their own country. And the two southern tribes separated, and they had a separate country. The northern tribes were referred to as Israel. The southern tribes were referred to as Judah. And there was this prolonged period of conflict between the northern tribes, the brothers in the north, and the two southern tribes. For much of Old Testament Israel, for much of your Old Testament, Israel is separated in, these, in this civil war. But you do have this beautiful period of peace referred to in 1 Kings chapter 22. And here's what verse 44 describes it as. Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, the two southern tribes, he also made peace with the king of Israel. And for a very brief period of time, two different nations right next to each other dwelling at peace with one another. If you wanted to know what this would have felt like in our idea today, Think about Korea, North and South Korea. Think about the demilitarized zone and this harsh separation between North Korea and South Korea. Same families, same ethnicity, two totally different countries and two countries that are kind of at war with each other. But for a very brief period of time during King Jehoshaphat's reign, there was peace in relationship between the 10 northern tribes and the two Southern tribes. If you're more than 40 years old, and I'm not gonna embarrass you or call you out today, you probably remember exactly what this Bible verse felt like. If you were watching TV the night that the Berlin Wall fell, that East and West Berlin that had been separated for decades because of different ideologies and differing styles of government, when that wall fell down, Everybody, literally everyone in the world watched it and everyone saw this amazing experience of peace when two countries that were totally isolated and separated with one another started to become one again. If you're 20 or 30 years old, you probably have no idea what this was like worldwide the night that that wall came down. But if you go to a museum today, chances are you'll see a piece of the Berlin Wall because that's how big of a deal it was when that wall came down. What God is saying is when I give my people myself, I also give them peace. And now those broken, fractured relationships in your life, your friends, your family that you're struggling with, you now have the ability to be a big boy or a big girl and to go and to start to reconcile those relationships because the God of heaven is helping you have peace between two people. Here's number two on the list. Number two on the list is that your debts are paid off. Now, while I've I've still got this up on the screens, I need you to understand we're not talking about money right here. What we're ultimately talking about is the sin debt, the debt that goes along with breaking God's law, the debt that goes along with the um, breaking of the commandments. And Because there's a penalty, there's a price that goes along with that, somebody has to step in and pay the price. And the Bible says that the whole Christmas story was God taking the initiative. Actually, God himself writing the check to pay off your debt. Writing the check to pay off your sin debt. You see, this is the way that it's described in Luke chapter 2. When the angels in heaven announce to people on earth that God has just done the thing that he promised he would do way back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve committed that first sin, God just did this thing that he said he was going to do. Luke chapter 2, when the angels announce the birth of Christ, they say it this way, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth. Look at what it says on the screens to people he favors. If you've ever been under a heavy load of debt, you know how much stress, you know, how much anxiety, not knowing if you're going to be able to pay the bills next month feels like you know the pressure of realizing if one thing goes wrong, if I have a flat tire or if my, my transmission breaks down, if one thing goes wrong, I'm so much in debt that I can't pay the bills. And if something goes wrong, I don't know where that money is going to come from. And that kind of debt can just overwhelm you. In fact, Dave Ramsey made an international business out of helping people have financial what? peace. He said, that kind of stress takes your peace away. So I want to help people get out from underneath that debt. I want to help people have financial peace. Well, what the Bible is describing for us at the birth of Jesus is you and I have were born under the sin debt. You and I have committed sins. You and I Um, have that debt of sin that weighs upon us. And here's the thing. You can't work hard enough. You can't make enough money to pay that debt off. So God himself takes the initiative. God himself pays off that sin debt for you. And he does it when he tells his son Jesus to leave heaven and to come to earth in the form of an innocent, helpless baby. But of course, the manger that we recognize with Christmas, that manger really doesn't carry a whole lot of meaning. It doesn't have a whole lot of weight until you understand the cross on Good Friday and the empty tomb on Easter Sunday. It's God declaring, paid in full. I have now done everything necessary for your sins to be dealt with. You don't ever have to stress. You don't ever have to worry. You have peace with me. Because I have taken the initiative and sent forth my son. And now people that have a relationship with me have nothing to stress about. You have peace with God because your debt is paid off. You have peace with God because your relationships are starting to get healed. You can have peace with God because now your life is full. How many of you have heard people when they greet each other, greet each other with the word peace? Or maybe, am I the only person in this room that's heard that? Or maybe you've heard somebody who has greeted another person with the word shalom, if you were in Israel. Or chances are, if you were in an Arabic country, you heard people, the first words out of their mouth when they met one another, was the phrase, salam alaikum. This is the peace of Allah beyond you. When we use that phrase, shalom or salam or peace... Do you know what that phrase really means? In the Arabic world, in Israel, that word means more than just our notion of peace. It actually means that your life would be well, that your life would be healthy. Listen to this. It actually means that your life would be full. When people are greeting one another with the phrase shalom or with the, with the phrase salam, Or with the word peace, they're actually wishing that you would have a full life. And this is exactly what the Bible describes for us. Way back in the Old Testament, when the prophet Isaiah was describing what this feels like to be in a relationship with God. Listen to this one verse, Isaiah chapter 32, verse 17. And he says it this way, the results of righteousness will be peace the effect of righteousness will be quiet confidence. I want you to look at this phrase that's on the screens for just a second. Because I'm sure you know somebody who is totally arrogant, likes to run off at the mouth at how awesome they are, how great they are. When it comes to confidence, they're off of the charts, right? You know people like that, but they're not really good at being quiet about how great they are. Then my guess is, you know people that are kind of timid, kind of shy, kind of quiet, because they're a little bit embarrassed or they're a little bit self-conscious. They have the Quietness that Isaiah describes, but they don't have the confidence. You know, people that have the confidence, but they don't have the quiet peace on the inside. Isaiah says, Can I describe for you Christians and tell you what they are like? Because they're righteous, and by the way, this word righteous just means that God has given you His moral perfection, that God has credited His moral perfection to you because of what Jesus has done. Because of what God has done, Christians can have both confidence before God, but also can have this quiet inner peace. They can be both confident and quiet at the same time. And when you find a person like that, you find somebody, typically speaking, when they're comfortable with who they are, But they're also able to be quiet and just simply not feel like they need to tell everybody how great they are when you find people like that you found somebody who has peace on the inside i i i'm i'm betting that you can picture in your mind somebody who has that kind of quiet confidence and if you think about them they're probably probably a gal or a guy with peace deep on the inside I often wonder to myself, if you have to tell everybody how great you are, if that's why you're always spouting off all of the awesome things that you do, are you trying to overcome for some shortcomings? Or the person that's really timid, really quiet, can't really be comfortable with who they are, is there something that's still missing in your life that that causes you to hold back a little bit? What Isaiah describes is when you have the gift of God... You have God's peace when you have God's peace you can be both confident and quiet at the same time and not be embarrassed or ashamed of who you are but not feel like you need to jump up and down so that everybody sees and everybody knows it number four on the list when you have God you have peace and when you have peace with God look up here on the screens you don't need to worry about the future. In fact, most people all over the planet, because of the coronavirus, are freaking out just a little bit on the inside. They may not say it, but they're kind of freaking out a little bit on the inside about what's going to happen to them tomorrow or what 2021 is going to bring. Christians, because we have peace with God, because we have peace with an all-powerful, all-good, all-the-time God, we don't have, We don't have to worry about it because our future is secure. This is the promise of what would happen with God's people when that baby was born supernaturally to a virgin, wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. Here's this famous Bible passage about the Christmas story. It comes from Isaiah chapter 9 and it describes our peace this way. It says, for a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father. Say the next words out loud prince of peace. He will be the prince that owns peace. And here's what this will look like in your life. Here's what it looks like for God's people. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. Do you see the future promise that's coming along with it? He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord's army will accomplish this. Everyone on planet earth wants to live in a nation that is at peace. When you are under a king that is a tyrant that brutally rules over his people, life is miserable. When you live in a land where two countries are fighting with each other, life is miserable. What the Bible promises is when you get God, you also get peace with God. And because you get peace with God, you get the Prince of Peace who will rule Listen, not just on the throne of David for a brief period of time who will rule forever. And by the way, I really need to remind you because what Isaiah is stressing is this one will rule differently. Because there will never be a king that will be greater than him. There will never be a lord that has more power or more land or more possessions than him. He is the king over all kings. He's the lord over all all lords. You could call him the prime minister of prime ministers or the president of all presidents. And his rule will never end. And because of how good he is, because of how gracious he is, you can also call him the Prince of Peace. So God's people have nothing to worry about. Not the government, not the future. Your future is secure, and it's secure, not in your hands, and certainly not in Washington, D.C., or wherever you live. Your future is is secure in the hands of God in heaven, and he's got you right in the middle of his hand. Fifth and final thing. The Bible description of peace is when your soul is satisfied. And I chose this word satisfied on purpose because I really believe that every human being on the planet has a soul that is missing something. It's longing for something. There is a God-shaped hole in that soul until you enter into a relationship with God in heaven. And he and he alone can satisfy your soul. It looks like this in the Bible. When your soul is satisfied, Psalm 85 puts it this way. Faithful love and truth will join together. Please pay attention to what the Bible says next because this phrase is amazing and beautiful. Righteousness and peace will embrace one another. Now, when you see the word embrace on the screens, I don't want you to think of giving a hug to a friend that you haven't seen in a long, long time. That Bible word embrace really refers to the intimacy between lovers. It's basically saying that righteousness and peace kiss each other whenever God's people are joined into a relationship with him, when God's people enter into a relationship with him, they have both righteousness and they have peace and they have it to the full and they have it um, in intimacy that most people can't understand. Most people will never grasp Because it's something that only the Holy Spirit of the living God can do in you when he satisfies your deepest longings. I, as many of you know, I spent more than 20 years in the army. Most of that time I spent going back and forth repeatedly overseas. When I was going to combat zones and separated from my family, I used to tell my friends when we were overseas, you know, what? the first thing I'm going to do when I get home is the very first thing when I get off of an airplane is I'm going to go find my wife and I'm going to go kiss her right on the mouth and nobody can stop me. And here's why, because I love her because she's my wife, because we've been separated and now the separation is over. And the way that I want the world to know that that separation is over is when I walk up to her right after getting off of that airplane on the tarmac of an army airfield and embrace her or kiss her. You see, what the Bible is offering today is all five of these things collectively When God's people enter into this intimate relationship, this soul-satisfying relationship with him, I don't know why anybody on the planet would turn down the gift of God if it comes wrapped up in the wrapping of peace. Here's what the Bible is offering for us today. When you get God, you get relationships that are made right, when you get God, you don't get just get relationships. All of your debt, that sin debt is now paid for, and you have nothing to worry about because your life is full and your future is secure. And because you get God, you now have a soul-satisfying relationship. But I need you to look up here for just a second, and I need you to hear what I'm going to say next. Because you cannot have the kind of peace that God is offering. Please listen to me. Lean in for just a second. You can't have that kind of peace and control at the same time. See, the truth is, if you want that kind of peace, that soul-satisfying peace that God offers you have to be willing to give up control. There's no scenario out there where you keep control of your life and also get this supernatural peace that God is offering people. This kind of peace comes only when you surrender the white flag and you say, God, I've made a mess. When I try to control things, I mess things up. And when I try to control things, I don't have peace. The more I try to control, the less peace I have. So God, here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to turn control over to you because I want this kind of peace that you're describing in the Bible today. And when you do that, God says, now you get me. And because you get me, you get peace. Please don't mistake the gift for the gift giver. God says, I'm gonna give you myself. But when I give you myself, you're gonna also get peace along with it. And maybe you're sitting in this room or maybe you're sitting in, this, in your living room and you don't have this soul satisfying peace that God is offering. Maybe today you need to surrender your soul to the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we got a couple of action steps that I wanna challenge you to take. If you're sitting there and you're saying, Jeff, I'm thinking about it, and you're right, I don't have that kind of peace. There's something missing, something that I'm longing for in my soul, and I've tried everything else. I've tried to throw everything at it that I can, and it never really fills me up, and I want that kind of peace. In just a second, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that Jesus would do a miracle in your heart, and he would change you into a new man or a new woman this morning. But maybe you're a Christian and maybe you've started to try to take control of your life back because circumstances got a little bit crazy and they got out of hand. And as you start to take control, you start to lose peace. Well, I'm going to pray for you, Christian, that you would hand that back off to God, that you would give him the control that he deserves. And in the process, you would get God's gift of peace all over again but maybe somebody was watching this today and you know there's a relationship in your life that's messed up. And you know, even though it's their fault and they really should be the one that comes to me and asks me for forgiveness, you want to dwell in peace with others. You want that peace in relationships. And so I'm gonna pray that maybe you would offer the gift of peace this week to somebody by going to them and starting to mend a broken relationship. Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, would you just bow your heads for a second and would you let me pray for us this morning? And this is not between me and you. This is certainly not between you and this church. This is between you and God. But if there's a moment that you need to get serious with God, this is that moment. And I'm gonna invite you right where you're sitting, right there in your living room or right in this room, would you get honest? soul level honest with God for just a second as I pray for you. Father, maybe somebody is watching this online right now and maybe they're thinking honestly about their life and they're realizing, I don't, I don't have that kind of peace. I wish I did have it. I've tried as much as I could to get it, but no matter what I try, it lets me down. It leaves me empty. It makes me want more. And so, God, today I realize that what I need is you. I need you to work a miracle in my heart. I need you to change me from a man or a woman who chases after sin to a man or a woman who's now pursuing you, following you. And, God, I believe that when I get you, I get peace along with it. And so, Father, right here, right now, you know me. You know this is real. God, right here, right now, I am turning from my sins, and I am turning to you for the first time. Father, would you hear that prayer from heaven? God, would you work a miracle in somebody's soul right now? And then God, would you help us follow up with them? Would you help them to just right there in that mobile app, click that button that says, today I surrendered to King Jesus for the first time. And let us help them learn what it means to start to become a follower of Jesus. God, I pray for your people. I I know I do this. My guess is everybody who's watching this from time to time starts to try to take control of our lives back, start to take over and make decisions that are struggling to take control of their life back from you. Holy Spirit, would you help them? They need your help. I need your help. Would you help them to turn the control back over to you all over again today and tomorrow when I wake up, I'm gonna need your help tomorrow to turn it back over to you and to say, you're in charge, God, I'm not, which means wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. God, you give this incredible supernatural peace between us and you, but I also believe you make it possible for your people to be at peace with one another. So if there's some brothers or sisters that are watching this right now, and they have some broken or fractured relationships, God, would you help them to take the initiative, even if it's somebody else's fault? Would you help them to be the one to offer something this Christmas, offer a gift, and start to work towards mending a broken relationship, start to work towards offering somebody the gift of peace today. God, I lay all of these prayers before you, praying that you're glorified, that Jesus our King is honored, By what we've said in this room today. It's in His name that I pray this. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.